0: This is Paul Nobles from eatform.com, and I am sitting here with the trap queen, April Blackford. April, do you wanna say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. April was just telling me how her third world internet in North Carolina doesn't work all that well. And she was trying to explain to me that that Google Chrome is not gonna be on the internet anymore. And
1: No, I said they weren't gonna support my awesome MacBook.
0: I also have a MacBook, but you don't see me quaking in my shoes the way that the Trap Queen is. Um, so I actually was out of town doing a marketing conference, and so everybody has kind of seen all the videos that we made, and we were having a great time, and, and uh, it was kind of fun. How did the week work out for you, April?
1: It went very well. The, the
0: seminar or the chat went very well. So you went and visited one of the gyms. We actually, we were a participant at, at the world of, uh, what is it? The war of wads in North Carolina, but it got snowed out and we had, you know, various relationships with gym in, gyms and in North Carolina and April lives in Fayetteville and she's moving to Raleigh. How far is Raleigh from your house?
1: like less than an hour
0: okay and so the gym that you did a presentation in um, was in Raleigh right
1: and it was kind of in Garner so it was a little bit outside of Raleigh towards me
0: so it's not far yeah. at all so you said something really interesting um, we're actually not going to uh, mm-hmm. you know get super into the the stories that we typically do at the beginning of the shows um, because we've got a lot of topics to cover but uh, what I wanted to see, because you, you said something that was sort of interesting, and I think that, that people need to hear it because you, you sent a message to these guys because you sat there and answered questions for them, and you were like, you guys have it mostly figured out, right? And, I mean, can you just expound upon that a little bit? Because I think that that's, that's the way what I think happens for a lot of people is they want a very specific result in a very short period of time. And what they don't realize is, is that the things that they're doing is actually working. And if they saw those things through and then just kind of like, you know, made some minor tweaks to their major plans, they'd have a much better shot at reaching their goals than if they constantly resort to like the extremes.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the biggest, the biggest thing that I would say is that a lot of people were stressed over getting the the macros perfectly. Um, you know, over, uh, I can't seem to get my food right, things like that. The biggest thing was, you know, the, their averages look great. You know, it was, you know, just like I told him in the, the chat, I said, you yeah, know, I've been doing this for six years and I think I've only had three days that my macros were like spot on perfect you know where you know when you have those days it's kind of like oh you know like you know oh my god had that happen you know so you're not striving to get zeros across the board where everything evens out that was the big thing another thing was you know for the most part i'd say almost all of them you know except for maybe one or two who really really jumped into the calories without actually talking to someone Um, you know, weight was very stable. There was, there was one guy that, you know, he's been doing it for five weeks and he was, you know, kind of confused that he's only lost five pounds. And I was like, dude, it's freaking awesome. You know, where are you coming from? And then when he told me, you know, which was a low, low carb paleo background, I said, that's, that's exceptional results. You know, that's, that's great considering you're eating more food and, and so forth. And then of course I touched on the, the subject and I asked him, I said, you know i said i'm sure everyone here has done a whole 30. yes of course and i asked him i said you know how much weight did you lose He's like, oh he said well i probably lost about 15 pounds i said well how much did you gain back when you stopped he's like all of it i was like exactly (laughs) i was like there you go i said you've already lost five pounds you're losing a pound a week i said you know why would you want to lose a massive amount of weight and then just regain it all back once you start eating an appropriate amount of food You know, so the big thing was, was that a lot of stressing and I actually touch on this a lot in the fundamentals classes that I do on Tuesday that, you know, you get a lot of scared, you know, fairly new people who, you know, they're, they're kind of stressing over little minor things rather than just looking at the big picture and trying to, to, to work on progress with that.
0: Yeah, I think you're bringing up a a great point and, and, you know, I'm going to kind of just take a break here for a second just to talk a little bit about, because we have a lot of people that are listening to the podcast now. You know, I think last week we had like 12,000 people, you know, had no idea that many people were listening to this. And so, you know, when you look at Eat Perform or you think about signing up to Eat Perform, basically what happens is, is we have kind of like these two month challenges. And what we're trying to do is get you guys to establish a baseline, Right. And so once you establish that baseline, then we can work off of the numbers that you have in place. And ultimately, kind of like what what, you know, the guy mentioning um, the five pounds lost when you're losing uh, five pounds and you are staying good in the gym and your workouts are good and things of that nature. Not only are you potentially losing fat, but you're potentially gaining muscle in that process by addressing some deficiencies and things of that nature. And so, so that's a big part of, of, of you know kind of what we're, we're talking about because I think what happens for a lot of people is they, they want to deal with everything all at once. And what we're showing over and over again with thousands of people getting the success – is that, and I've always said this, I've always said, if we could show people that our way is vastly better, I have faith in people. I have faith in people that they will come, right? If they see their friend Marge working out in the gym, killing it, still reaching her body composition goals, you know, they're going to be very intrigued. And then of course, You know, eating an adequate amount of food for what you do, you're always going to feel better in the gym. But in general, I think people think that they have gigantic problems and oftentimes they have smaller problems than they think. The other thing that I think is sort of interesting to the discussion is the fact that um, when we're talking about, you know, kind of like the way that we set up challenges – it's not the same way as other people do. And the reason why we do it that way, is sort of based on levels of excitement. And you know we have like amazing prizes. I mean, we've just given away. You know, like this week, I think we're giving away Beats by Dre headphones, um, like the earphones for like when you're running and stuff like that. Can you not hear me, or you do not know what I'm talking about? I'm
1: some of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, so April, April wants to wants to quit, and now she wants to have a chance at winning these prizes. But we, you know, like we did Fitbit Surge and a scale, um, one week, Vitamix, one week. You know, what we really want people to do is be excited about you know, the whole process. And if we can kind of keep people excited, I think ultimately we can show them that a way that includes some level of patience and understanding and forgiveness. Because I think what happens is, is that you go through a period like, you know, through the holidays or work stress or something of this nature, and you might gain five to 10 pounds in that process. And and you always assume the worst. Um, And, you know, it's sort of like the, the rabbit or the hare scenario, right? Where, um, you know, everyone kind of wants to do the rabbit thing, but really the, um, the, the, I'm sorry, the hare or the turtle approach. So everybody wants to do the hare approach, right? But really the turtle approach ends up being better and actually shows you better results long term. And so, so we'll talk about that. And, you know, once again, you know, at the beginning of each of our challenges is when we start to set up people's performance-focused fat loss. If you're not familiar with performance-focused fat loss, we're about to talk about it for about an hour. Um, And what performance-focused fat loss does is you're trying to keep a level of performance and volume while reaching your fat loss goals. And the way that it differs from your typical cutting methods, you know, um, April Reference, Whole30, Weight Watchers, uh, LeRong Living, you know, all these types of places, typically what you're going to do is you're going to be very limited in, in the way that you're going to view food. Now, those ways can be used as a deficit. Like, for instance, we're not necessarily anti-paleo or, you know, we could actually help you do Weight Watchers fine, right? But You can't do eat, perform, and then do it their way because ultimately you're going to resort to some level of misunderstanding. What's interesting about what April was saying with the guy that gained all the way back, the reason why he gained all the way back is because he didn't really know why it worked. That's really the most important thing, and that's why we want people to establish a baseline. Once you have a baseline, okay? Now, You know, I'm just going to be very clear about this. You know, I don't count calories, right? And some people, you know, they feel more comfortable doing it. You know, like April counts virtually every single day, but she's not, you know, meticulous about it to where it's like this rigid thing that rules her life. And that's the way we think it works best. But if your ultimate goal is to not count calories, trust me. I don't do that, but when you're trying to get a specific goal and you're trying to see what works, you know, you're going to have to have some level of introspection. So every time I cut, and I'm actually, I'm at yeah, <laughs> I always wimp out April when it when it comes to, to doing a cut, but I think I may end up doing it in March just because you know we've been doing these these podcasts, and so I want to walk people through it, and then also I've kind of been um, working on hypertrophy cycles and strength building for the last, you know, almost a year now, and so um, it might be time to bite the bullet, I'm, I'm not 100% into it, uh, but I would, you know, normally I would like to make up for it in volume, and so I may try to kind of juxtapose those two different things and then Talk about those, talk about that process over the course of eight weeks. So I'm not 100% invested that I'm going to PFFL, but I think I might, right? Um, so the big one that is, well, I'm trying to think of what we should start with. Um, and I think that, why don't we start with gradually awesome? Because I think that, um, Well, you know what? Let's start with a two week mini cut because I think that, you know, we did an article on two week mini cut. I'll add it to the show notes so you guys can take a look at that. But once again, when you have an established baseline, this is what happens for most people, okay? They start off in terms of, you know, a deficit way of eating, and then they just go as drastic as they can while still functioning in the world right and we believe that the opposite is the approach and which is why you know the guy being down five pounds um would be frustrated because he wants to lose 30 pounds right you know and and you know break in the monster truck voice and all that other type of stuff but you know if we really look at what truly works in the end you know it always comes down to some level of patience. So in the case of a of a mini cut, the goal of a mini cut is to eat at a deficit. Really what you're trying to do is you know, most people know that the first couple of weeks you're really kind of dealing with water, you know, and you'll often see, you know, 5 to 6 pounds lost. And you're kind of dealing with water. That's my guess. Is you know what our friend, you know, in North Carolina is experiencing. And then when you are eating an adequate amount of food for what you do, or at least close to it, ultimately you're going to. Um, it's not going to be as dramatic. So let's say that as a male, I'll use myself as an example, and I'm not going to put you know out crazy numbers, but typically you know I'm eating more than three thousand calories a day. Um, and you go, well, how do you know that? Because you don't count your calories. Well, I know that because I do count my calories occasionally. I had you know I do have a good understanding of what my meals look like, and unlike April, you know I kind of eat the same things all the time, you know. And I'm not making an argument for that. Okay. I do believe that people should have a bit more variety. But at the same point, you know, it's what worked for me. It makes things convenient. And then, you know, I can have a good idea on, you know, what my overall levels are. But so let's say that my baseline is roughly 2,700. Essentially, If I was 2,200, I'd be looking at roughly 3,500 calorie deficit over the course of two weeks. In theory, I'd be looking at two pounds of fat loss. Yeah, two pounds of fat loss. The math there is basically 500 calories a day. 3,500 kcal equals one pound. So a lot of people use that calculation in terms of structuring um deficit cycles for athletes for human beings right in general like like when you go to a calculator online this is the formula that they're using for you here's the problem with that formula one if you're eating less two you're eating less say carbohydrates um it can affect that dramatically so now you lose seven pounds right, over the course of two weeks, and you're like, wow, this two-week mini cut is like a dream, you know, and actually, you can get a little bit more extreme on two-week mini cuts, just because, you know, so like for myself, I might actually go down to something like 2,000 calories, you know, which would give me roughly three and a half pounds worth of you know, potential fat loss. The problem with any cutting cycle is that you're not always dealing with fat. Some level of water, some level of fat um, and sometimes that will end up being muscle. Usually over the course of about two weeks you're really not looking at actual muscle atrophy as much as you're looking at muscle hydration. So it's very common to walk through a body fat test in that scenario and see, oh my goodness, you know, I lost three pounds of muscle there. You didn't really lose three pounds of muscle. That muscle was just hydrated differently, and that's through glucose levels. But I also, I also believe that it's just through hy- hydrated fibers. Now, you know, there, you know, it's one of these things that you know, you talk to, you know, the PhD types, and and they don't want to give you a definitive answer there. All I'm saying is, anecdotally, we've had many clients where they've kind of walked through kind of these cycles. You know, when we talk about dehydration, a lot of times people think we're talking about water, or we're not we're really talking about hydration as it relates to carbohydrates, giving you full muscles that have more potential to do better work, right? And so um, that's probably the big thing, but. The long story short, you know, and, and once again, I mean, if we can't finish everything, you know, I'm going to try and finish everything tonight, but if I can't, we'll carry it over to Thursday. But in general, here's the idea with the two-week mini cut. Two-week mini cut is not, you know, for someone, you know, with a lot of fat to, to use. You're really just trying to kind of reset your system, you know, a, a great example would be. You know, you've got kind of a, um, well, okay, you know, a great example would be a triath- triathlete or like a CrossFit Games person. They have the open end of February, but in the case of November December, maybe they overdid it a little bit. So, you know, end of December, early January, they might do like a mini cut just to kind of straighten things out a little bit. Um, any, uh, th- The last thing I want to say, and this actually will apply to all scenarios, is that the more volume that you can have in your training, you know, I heard something really good. You know, I mean the 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 coaches course, which by the way are also available on this podcast. I re, you know for some reason I can't get people to rate and review us, but I'm going to work on that next week, um, because we have a lot of people listening to it and they're they're clearly very interested in the content, but nobody's willing to step up and say, hey, we're really liking all this new content you guys are putting out. No. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it because apparently iTunes. Um, that matters to iTunes greatly. So, Greg Knuckles—I um, can't remember what Greg's site is—but if you Google Greg Knuckles, it's N U C K O L S. He's really kind of smart, geeky, nerdy guy, um, and and just understands exercise physiology in a unique way. And I loved listening to his podcast that he did for us, you know, um, last week. But what he said was, and, and this this should be in every single gym in the world. It should be a gigantic banner, and if I can help it, I might be the one putting those banners. But what he was saying was, if you're looking for muscle and keeping muscle, the priority is volume. If you're looking for strength, the answer is intensity. And what he means by that is when you are trying to add new tissue to your frame or keep the tissue that you have, you have to have longer rep sets and things of that nature. When you are trying to get stronger, it's going to have to be sort of hard and because of that you're going to have to compromise volume. So when we're talking about being in a cutting cycle, really not looking for a lot of intensity, really looking for more volume or at least as much volume as you can put in. Now, a lot of people will say, well, um, it's hard to put in volume when I'm not eating an adequate amount for what I do. Yes, that is actually the case. And that's one of the reasons why we're saying that dieting is actually part of the problem or a bigger part of the problem and not so much the solution, which is why we're trying to have you not dieting most of the time and then only gradually working towards a deficit occasionally. So volume is key in these scenarios. If you normally work out, you know, five days and you're doing like a two-week cut you know, maybe going down to four days. But some of that volume, you know, I would say some level of low-intensity, low-intensity steady-state work, you know, walking, hiking, jogging can sort of help kind of these deficit levels and help your two-week cuts be successful. Anything that I missed there, April, or, or anything that you want to add? Because, I, you know, for you guys, what you need to know is, that we're talking to people on a daily basis right we're having these discussions with people and what the reason why i'm doing this is because i want you guys to be doing things smarter but i also want to let you guys know that we're a resource for you guys you know in this regard and we you know whether it's quick start whether it's group coaching these are upgrades where you get a level of support and think about all those times that you've sort of been alone and, and, and you don't really know you know what to do I mean you could certainly set up these deficits on your own and things of that nature but is that really the problem right is that really the issue you know is the numbers because you know for most people it's not the numbers that's been a problem it's it's like walking through Should I work out this day because I only slept four hours last week and I'm cutting, right? And and that's just one example of a myriad of of topics that we talk to people about on a daily basis that allows them to fail more successfully. That's probably the best way to say it because most people think that a really rigid way of thinking of things is the best approach and the way that we think of it is, is that failure lights the path of ultimate success so, so April
1: I guess I guess some people can't be
0: trusted trust or they can't trust can't.
1: themselves. so um, it's causing me to echo you're talking about the two week mini cut Um
0: well what hold on one second what do you mean by people can't trust themselves
1: they can't trust themselves whenever you know a lot of times you know you some people like you and I are kind of different because we know what we're doing and we know the little minor things to change. But like what you said, the the help is there, you know, utilize it, you know, rather than trusting yourself to, you know, cause if that's the case, they would, you know, sleep four hours, go train, you know, doing a mini cut and increase their training up seven days a week, thinking more is better. And you know, uh, yeah, okay.
0: actually, we had a great we had a great question today that that someone was like, "Look, I've done this workout three different times, and you know now I did it yesterday or today, and I'm sore." And I said, "Well, the things that would affect that would be, you know, under eating. Um, she is currently doing PFFL. under sleeping, and then." Um, you know, stress. I, I I can't remember all of the three things, but she said pretty much you nailed all three things. I said, well, mystery solved. Now we know why you're sore, right? If you were eating an adequate amount of food, you were fully recovered, you know, and you were you were relatively stress-free, then of course we don't have those issues. But what I think April is sort of saying that that sort of needs to be brought up is. Everyone wants to buy group coaching for accountability, right? I need to be accountable. That's a little bit of what we do, you know, for sure. I mean, we hold your hand through the process. But what I think has happened in the past is that most people think that failure is, like, if you're not 100% adherent, that you're ultimately, you know, well, the wheels are off, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, just eat all the cheesecake, right? Um, and what we're saying is, one, you're starting from an adequate amount of calories, you know, um, like I said, you know, as, you know, 47-year-old guy, you know, relatively active, 2,700 calories, I could go 2200, 2000 calories. And while, yeah, it would suck for a couple weeks, you know, I could deal with it, right? Um, and like I said, you can be a little bit more aggressive on a two week cut than you probably would want to be, you know, consistently over kind of a longer period. So, April, anything before we move to gradually mm-hmm. Awesome?
1: Um, I was just going to add, you were talking about the the appropriate times. Um, Prime example for a two-week mini cut, I have a gal in the group coaching who has been eating an adequate amount for a long period of time now, and she's getting ready to go on a trip to Mexico. And she has this awesome new Savage swimsuit. I don't know if you know Savage Swim, but they're these really awesome suits that are designed for muscular bodies. Um, Anyway, so we're doing a two-week mini cut. One of her strategies is is she's she's going from five days to four days to allow more recovery days, but she's adding in more NEAT. So she's adding in more low-stress activity. Um, you touched on that a little bit. I think that that's very, very important. Um, you know, adding in the walking, the, the low-stress jogging, things like that, um, on the recovery days, I think is kind of key. But
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that happens a lot you know, is people come out of the holidays and they want to diet, right? Because they want to pay for all the sins from November and December. Here's one problem that exists when that happens is when you're in January and February, I don't care. I mean, unless you live like in Australia or South America or something, where it's the opposite of the way we are in the United States, you're going to be dealing with some level of inclement weather, right? So even like in San Diego, it gets to 50 degrees, and everybody in San Diego is like, oh, my God, it's freezing. You know, I mean, that's like a heat wave here in Minnesota. But my point being is that in June – you're going to be more outside you're going to be walking around and you're going to be active so the time of year that a lot of people are trying to cut isn't necessarily the time of year that makes sense to cut right and so when you look at march and april what's going to be happening in a lot of the northern states we're going to have the snow melt you can walk on the path that you know, we're kind of snowy and icy before, and, you know, naturally your activity level goes up. And so when we're talking about trying to get to an overall deficit, one, I think we need to realize what the advantage of eating an adequate amount of food and then doing resistance training during January and February, that's the cold months, right? So, you know what what we did and what we've been kind of had this big initiative doing the daily challenges. We're really trying to work on people's volume, as it relates to resistant type work. You know, with with body weight and to a certain extent, you know, barbell work. But we're really we're really sort of focusing on with these daily challenges in the in the training and. And uh, programming group, which, by the way, I think there's only like three thousand people in it. And, and you know, I mean, when you look at slot, there's there should be a lot more people over there because I think people would benefit from being part of those conversations. I know Sam's putting up a lot of training videos. Chris puts up a lot of stuff over there. I think Crystal's starting to to put some some things there as well. So, you know, a lot of real cool things are happening as it relates to training, so definitely don't miss out on that. And it's also, by the way, a public group. So if you're um, looking for, uh, you know, some way to have kind of an introductory way to, you know, become... Acquainted with Eat to Perform, it's a great way to do that. And you just basically search Eat to Perform Public and you'll be able to find that group. And if you ask for it and you're a nice person, we'll keep you around and you can ask questions and it ends up being awesome. If you're a mean person, Bye-bye. you won't like how that goes for you. <laughs> um, I just, <laughs> just put it to you that way. Um, Anything that, that we need to say before we move on to Gradually Awesome because we're definitely not going to be able to cover the wave method. Um, uh, and I will try and cover that on Thursday's show.
1: No, I think you're, I think, I think we covered the mini cut. The one thing that I do um, emphasize on the mini cut is um, predominantly Whole
0: Foods. So, yes, yes, and I would say that that is when <laughs> you look at you know. When I'm cutting, right, my big thing that I uh, change is really kind of oatmeal. You know, I, I have about 700 calories worth of oatmeal every morning. Um, that'll be the thing that sort of goes away. And so we'll we'll sort of see how that, that goes. But um, in general, you know, Uh, you don't have to really look at kind of major changes. You just have to think to yourself, well, okay, well, what can I, can I get away with now? Are my workouts going to be amazing in those, you know, eight weeks? Um, Probably not, you know, and that's what you have to sort of be willing to do, you know, to kind of see a result. But, you know, um, it's been kind of a year since I've, you know, done like any type of cutting cycle and, I think you know if you look at my face, you know, you'll see that I'm still relatively lean. Um, usually, if um, you know, in the past, you know, when I would put on weight, um, usually it would show up in my face quicker than everything. So my volume has really made up for the difference, and I put on a significant amount of muscle in the last year. Um, and, and I've been able to do a lot more in that process. So I'm pretty excited about it. Not exactly excited about um, performance focused fat loss. I will say, you know, well, I'm probably going to give it away a little bit, but I'll just go ahead and mention it. I really am going to try and um, focus a little bit more on the volume side of things. And so I might not see a ton of weight loss in this scenario. Um, just because of that, you know, I'll be dealing with some fluid in my muscles and things like that and relative inflammation. I'll probably be sore more often and stuff. Um, so I probably won't see a ton of weight loss because of that, but I think that I'll end up, you know, making my body a little bit more nutrient efficient in that process and, and, and maintaining and then potentially adding tissue in that in, you know in that short period of time so The other thing that uh, I want to do Kind of mention is what we refer to as a gradually awesome approach and what's interesting about the gradually awesome approach is It's a great fit for all of the scared people right and what happens is a lot of people want to come in and they want to see a result as quickly as possible. You know, it's sort of funny. I mean, it is almost hilarious actually. Um, we had one gal who had kind of come from like a paleo background and, and I remember talking to her in the forums and I know Chris spent a lot of time with her and, you know, she was just really genuinely freaked out about, you know, the whole process (laughs) And I remember, you know, when Slot first started, you know, she was, she was one of the people that was very, you know, kind of antsy about, you know, kind of jumping in and, and, and getting going. And, you know, we sort of walked her through that process. Well, in the course of that year... As she sort of changed her mentality. Now she still she still eats mostly Whole Foods, you know. I mean, if you want to call that paleo, you go right ahead. But mostly Whole Foods has been around for a long time, right? Meats and veggies, right? With some added starches. So you're kind of seeing some results as it relates to your workouts. But she went from 20% to 15%. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the female physique, but 20%, you know, is very lean. 15% is like athletic lean, you know. I mean, it's the type of body fat percentages that CrossFit Games athletes have, you know, um, tennis players have, things of that nature. And so those are the types of things that, you know, you really want to think about. But when we're talking about the gradually awesome – Essentially, what we're talking about is walking you from a way of undereating to moving your average up slowly so your weight gain is minimal to the point of possibly losing, right? Because when we're talking about metabolism, And we're talking about work capacity. As you start to to eat more food and as you start to hydrate your muscles with carbohydrates, what ends up happening is you have the potential to do more work. Now, when I say potential, what I mean is that's on you, right? We can put the information in front of you but you sort of have to kind of push yourself. So the way that Gradually Awesome works is you have kind of your number as it relates to the days that you're working out. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you're a female and you've been eating roughly 1300 calories. um, And we're trying to get you reversed out of that. What we want to do is is gradually do that so you don't see a lot of water gain. A lot of the times we'll talk about you know having some of your carbohydrates post-workout potentially in the morning because it just loads better at that time. Um, but then you would allow for some of that You know, carbohydrates basically come with roughly three grams to four grams of kind of a water tax. So, when you start reintroducing carbohydrates to your diet, essentially what's going to happen is, is you can take the days that you're not working out and then kind of eat at a small deficit for those days, right? And so... When you do that, you're allowing your body to process that inflammation or whatever, right? And in that process, your weight is going to stay relatively stable. A lot of people do end up losing weight in that scenario. And the reason why they do is because they kickstart their metabolism off. And we will hear people say, you know, oh my God. I used to never be hungry, and now I'm hungry all the time. That's a good sign. Run with that, right? The other problem that people have with Gradually Awesome is, well, one, you know, they don't lose 30 pounds, you know. Um, But really what Gradually Awesome is, is great at, you know, is kind of helping people establish a baseline. And then once they do that, then we can start talking about two-week mini cuts. We can start talking about, you know, wave method. All these things end up being a lot easier when the math is better. The problem that most people have is they want to pull the Band-Aid all off at once and, and they never quite get there because, you know, they never really allow kind of like their body to work the way that their body wants to work. Now you're kind of the authority on gradually awesome. And I would say that almost every single person has had a lot of interaction with April and for probably the last three years, you know, I mean there was times where, you know, it was like five of us, you know, and most people, you know attribute a lot of their success to April what would you say in that process you know as we sort of move from you know kind of just gradually awesome to having different ways of of cutting where do you think that that's a benefit and give me some ideas on on how you think that works for some people
1: I think it um I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in regards to someone coming from an underfit and they're really, really scared. I think it works very well for that, but also for someone that is more moderately active, who you know is busy with life or you know, they work and they can only get to the gym three, maybe four days a week, I think it is a perfect fit. Perfect for someone like that that's only moderately active. Now when you start getting into the the realms of very active and you're training five, six days a week. doesn't work so well. Yeah, exactly. think, it still works, but you know, you don't, you don't, you don't get that balances as, as well. And that's where I do think that, which obviously someone who's training five, six days a week would probably be a little bit more competitive, um, you know, with their training and goals and things like that. There's um, an
0: interesting, there's an interesting thing that you're talking about, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's an interesting part about what you're saying when people first start Eat to Perform. Firstly, they may or may not have been eating an adequate amount of carbohydrates for what they were doing. So now all of a sudden, they start introducing carbohydrates to the mix. The problem that they run into is if they work out five to six days a week, they're doing two-a-days and all this other type of stuff, they're adding in all these carbohydrates, and their body's not quite ready for that yet. On a cellular level, your body takes a while to adjust to this kind of stuff. right? And the other thing that I think is really important as it relates to this discussion is when you are – adding more volume because you're adding more food, you are potentially allowing for better absorption um, into your muscles. I mean, if you look at you know my arms, well, obviously April's arms right now, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, what you're seeing in all, both of our scenarios is the volume that we're doing Is allowing our muscles to handle those nutrients better and that's what makes us look muscular and lean and that does not always correlate to lower weight but it often does correlate to better you know inches off your waist better aesthetic look you know whatever it is that you're sort of looking for as it relates to an athletic goal, like the reason you work out and the reason why you work hard at the gym is so you have, you know, the potential for an aesthetic that is appealing, right? And so often people will say, you know, that the scale is going up or they're looking at the scale differently or I don't look at the scale, you know. I think when you're making major changes to the way that you're eating, you know, the good majority of the time if you're not looking at the scale, the reason is is you don't want to know. That said, I don't look at the scale right now, but probably different than the reason that many of you don't look at the scale. So I don't look at the scale right now, because I'm trying to gain weight. And as someone that lost, you know, um, and when I say gain weight, I, I really mean gain gaining lean muscle. But as someone that lost eighty pounds, you know, <coughs> it can tend to freak me out, you know, to see weight fluctuations that are higher. And in general. It's not a necessary component for me. If I just, you know, if I just allow myself, you know, more work volume, more food, you know, in the end, I can deal with, you know, any excessive fat that shows up as a result. But if I, you know, am constantly weighing myself in that process, I'm not going to end up doing the kind of work that's involved. You know, I'll often just get in my head and go, well, is this really important to gain lean mass? Well, it is important to gain lean mass. That's how you, you know, increase your metabolism and kind of work from there. The other thing that I want to say when we're talking about any cutting at all, right? When we're talking about cutting and we're coming out of a cutting cycle, I always want to bring this up, and I always will bring this up because it's an important part of the discussion because it's, it's the thing that most of you have done wrong the whole time. You have to allow for your weight to go up when you're done cutting. And if you're a relatively lean person and you lose 8 pounds, you've got to allow a 3-pound bump, bump back. If you're someone with an excessive amount of, of fat to use and you lose 20 pounds, you have to allow 5 to 6 pounds bump back you know, when you start eating relatively normal. Now, what's interesting about that is, let's say that you were a 240-pound female and you lose 20 pounds and you allow yourself five to six pound bump back what will happen in that scenario especially if you're working hard in the gym is you'll be able to do more work because you weigh 20 pounds less especially as you start to add in more food so the five or six pounds that you allow when you come back Your work capacity can allow you to get that back relatively quickly if you focus on getting the work up higher. You know, people will often ask us, well, what's the the numbers as it relates to kind of reversing out of a dieting cycle? And in general, you know, we say anywhere from 50 to 100 calories a week. But that is dramatically affected positively when the athlete – Uses the acclimation period as a challenge, and really makes work volume a a thing, right? You know, and work volume in this instance might be, you know, a little extra training as it relates to like a 10k, something like that. Um, certainly, any type of like hypertrophy work those things would all be favorable. Whenever we're talking about metabolism, just remember the more you do to keep your muscle, typically that's going to be positive for metabolism.
1: I just wanted to touch on one thing with what you're saying. Um, I see a lot of people, and um, I do agree with you know increasing the activity as you start increasing the food. Um, I do see a lot of people coming out of PFFLs who you know, their, their calories may have been, you know, quite a bit lower the first week, the first week that, you know, they start increasing food back, you know, they may have initially been at 2,800 and then they were at 2,200, 2,100, you know, on their, um, their PFFL days, on the training days. Well, the first week they bump up, let's go ahead and bump up to 22 consistently for this week. Then all of a sudden they want to add in two more training days you know, two more training days, you know, I do think that they need to give a little bit time to, you know, to get the calories up, you know, rather than you can't just increase your, your calories by 50 or hundred calories and add in, you know, two, three training days, you know, it just doesn't work like that.
0: <laughs> and that's why I think that, you know, body fat testing can be a good part of the process for some people. For some people, you know, it can be a little distracting, but in general, if you have kind of a, you know, I, I really, I'm getting to the point right now. I mean, I haven't body fat tested in probably a year and a half, right? Um, but I'm getting to the point right now where I really would like people to be in like six month cycles, you know, just because I think it gets too distracting. I know it does for me, right? Where, you know, I'm trying to focus on, you know, getting an adequate amount of, of muscle on my frame. And if I start body fat testing and weighing myself all the time and, and being way too into the details every single day, it distracts me from my end goal. And what I'll often see is, you know, people will, you know, start adding lists and jogging and like, like April's saying, all this volume without really focusing on sleep cycles, without really focusing on eating more whole foods, without really focusing on what, what I would consider a baseline. And, and, and the reason why those things are important, one of the best gifts that I gave myself as it relates to um, my fat loss journey was being weight stable when I was sick or hurt. Right, And you go, well, why is that important? Well, it's important because you don't want to be digging these gigantic holes, you know? And, and, and I would say that that's both ways, you know? If your weight is down five to six pounds and you're not in a cutting cycle, to me, that, that's an alarm. That's telling me that you're underfed for what you're doing. And if you're not in a cutting cycle, ultimately you're sort of missing the point of, you know, the acclimation or normalization period. And I think, especially with our female clients, they get really happy about that. And I would argue that that ends up being kind of a net negative in terms of, like, the end game. And the end game ultimately being, you know, lower body fat percentage rather than just low weight because when we're talking about low weight you know you'll often see runners right that can get their weight lower but they will not necessarily um, keep muscle in that process you know because you can sort of get away sometimes with a little bit less carbohydrates and then you know that that water sort of leaving your body you know ends up making it seem like you're kind of reaching your goals when when in fact you know kind of keeping a good amount of muscle on your frame makes a big difference the last thing that i wanted to say you know before we sort of leave and you know, I'll give April the final word on this. I have a lot of family that's older. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see in human beings, um, but particularly athletes, is when they start to get into that 55 to 70 range right? They naturally start losing some athleticism. That's just kind of the way the world works, right? But in that process, they end up being in dieting cycles more. And I'd rather see those folks focusing a little bit more on resistance training. Now, when I say resistance training, am I saying that, you know, <clears throat> my 65-year-old dad should try to, you know, squat 600 pounds? No, but my 65-year-old dad should make air squats a little bit more of a priority, push-ups a little bit more of a priority, you know. And, you know, in at the end of the day, we're all sort of fighting father time, right? And the way that you do that, the way that you have better longevity is to keep your muscles strong and working. And sometimes that gets a little uncomfortable, especially as we age. You know, we talk to a lot of aging athletes and, you know, they end up being a little bit more sore than our younger athletes. Well, you know, the prescription that we have for them is typically to add a little food and, you know, you'll be able to deal with some of that soreness. Most of the athletes that we work with that are, say, 65 to 70 years old, they don't have the tendons and joint issues that a lot of just regular folks have. You know, I mean, you see like a 70-year-old guy getting out of a chair and it's like a fireworks show is going off, you know. You won't see that with a lot of Eat form clients. And the reason why you don't, because one, they're eating an adequate amount for what they're doing. So therefore, their muscles are more useful. And when you have a more useful, strong muscle, it forces your tendons and joints to be stronger as well. When you look at your tendons and joints, it's really connected to kind of like your muscles, you know, and that's how it connects to the bone and, and stuff like this. So the more resistance that you put on the muscle, the stronger that it's going to make the tendons and joints. Lastly, I just wanted to say that. We often trivialize, you know, things like you know, calcium and and glucosamine and, and all these different types of things. And and these things can be useful as it relates to making somebody's, you know, body feel better or you know, pains, you know, feel better and, and healing. But a big part of that healing. Is also being a little bit uncomfortable with the work that you're doing in the gym. I I know the tendency, you know, obviously it's almost a what's it's really a meme at this point is you have kind of the older people that are, you know, walking through the mall each morning, which is awesome. I'm glad for them that they're still active and kind of doing their thing, right? But they should also be doing air squats, they should also be doing sit ups, they should also be doing push ups. And it might sound ridiculous that a 70-year-old person can do that, and I would say that you're wrong. You know, there is no reason that those people can't have athletic pursuits. You know, I work out with people like that every single day, you know, whether it be at my powerlifting gym or whether it be at, you know, the CrossFit gym that I work out with, you know.
1: There is this older gentleman at my gym. His name is Bill and he is 86 years old. And some of the younger guys will kind of pick, they won't say anything to him, but they kind of talk about him because he is, he has so much mobility that he will cock his leg up on the standing preacher curl and massage his calves out. And it looks kind of awkward. It really does. But he's 86 years old. He benches, he, he does all kinds of stuff, you know, and I told them, I was like, you, you know, can you get your leg up that high to massage your calf out? I don't think so. It's like, yeah. give Bill some props. He's 86 years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I really, I really feel like, you know, I mean, just naturally you lose that zest for life or at least, you know, I don't know. My, you you've met my dad. I mean, he doesn't seem to be losing you know, kind of the, the, his uh, aggression he, level, right. But I wish he'd use it, you know, in the gym, oh. it, would, it would pay off well for him.
1: Also, I wanted to touch on the, you were talking about the aging, um, especially with aging females, you know, the, you know, chronic dieting plays a key role with osteoporosis and it's, you know, it's a huge, huge thing that women, females have to worry about, you know, as we get older. So, yeah,
0: I mean, when you know, osteoporosis is fairly simple. Um, You can eat all the calcium in the world, drink all the calcium in the world, but if you don't do some level of resistance training, it doesn't strengthen your bones to a point where you're going to get better. So, when you look at bone density through DEXA scan and you, I mean, it was so amazing. I think I did two DEXA scans, one early on when I started training and then the other one after a while. And I never thought of it from the standpoint of bone density, and my bone density just went off the charts. And that's the case for everyone is the more you know, that you're doing with your muscles – the more it's going to ultimately strengthen your bones and it's going to actually use that calcium to keep your, your bones. Otherwise it just ends up as waste. And so, so keep that in mind as we're talking about training. Cause I, I think that that's really important. I think the temptation, you know, I mean, remember when we're talking about each perform, we're really not talking about like this. I'm so sick and tired, you know, I mean, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody of putting the lion memes out there and stuff like that. But, you know, all that beast mode bullshit, you know, I don't know, man. When I'm like 75, you know, I ain't going to be hearing that. You know, I just want to be like on a beach somewhere, you know, rocking rocking some like calf high, You know, uh, <laughs> you know, sweatpants. And just kind of doing my thing, you know? But you know, all don't don't hear what we're saying and thinking we're talking about like, you know, you know, you like making a run at the Olympics or something. You know, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is living a life of abundance where thriving is the priority, and we're trying to give you guys strategies as it relates to um times that you would cut or times that you're looking at a little bit of a deficit so that you can come out of it with the results that you actually want. So I think that's where we'll end. April, did you want to say good night to everybody? Good night, everybody. All right. And once again, we will go ahead and, and, and do the talk on the wave method, which will kind of wrap this all in a bow on Thursday. Um, So we will refer to this one as Fat Loss Chat as well. And uh, just remember that as we're giving you guys this information, we do have a support system in place through the Quick Start Forums, through group coaching. So you don't have to be alone in these processes. But if you decide to go in alone, these podcasts will help you. So I appreciate everybody listening. And we'll, you know, try and get that probably Thursday podcast the other up either Friday or Saturday. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you guys later.